Chris Reed's book, Volume 3, Episode 2, Chapter 1, Life in Amarukovsky. Utekuit rose over the horizon, casting everything in a more yellow glow than usual. One second sun, Uro, rose behind it. Everything would take on more of its usual white hue. But, for the moment... Hendrick enjoyed the subdued morning yellow. It was always nice, walking to that golden glow, the salty sea air drifting in the house's windows. Hendrick, are you up? His mother, Akome, called. She had an unnerving ability to sense when Hendrick was awake. Yes, mother, just changing, Hendrick replied from his room. Your father already went down to the docks. As I told him they would be, the winds are fair today. That meant more ships coming in than normal, which meant more work for Hendrick. But that also meant a heartier breakfast, possibly even sausages. Hendrick hurried, wanting to get everything while it was still warm. A quick scrub, a comb through his salt and chestnut hair, and Hendrick tossed on his overshirt as he opened his door walking into the common room. Immediately, he could tell his haste would be rewarded. The smell of cooked oats, honey, and fried meat filled the common room. Coming around the corner, he saw his mother setting a glass of water for Hendrick. Thank you, mother, he said, smiling as he sat. How were your dreams? Akome asked. Normal, thankfully, Hendrick replied. Lately, his dreams had started to become strange. Sometimes there was a battle going on, the scions of the north watching from on high. Others, lights sailed across the sky in numbers too great to count. Those were usually shared with a sense of foreboding. He hadn't told his mother of his dreams at first, but, after a particularly troubling night, she had prodded until he could not avoid telling her. He knew his mother had a great depth of experience in life. She'd trained as a finder, an interpreter, and finally a sailor, before coming to Amorokovsky. She was well-versed in finding signs and figuring out their meaning. Unfortunately, Hendrick's dreams were eluding her. She attributed it to Hendrick's heritage. If you were purely of Kanikiana, she had said, I would know. The blood knows. But yours, for better or worse, if hat is half mixed with Amaric's stubbornness. Not that that's always a bad thing, she added, teasing. Indeed, Hendrick had watched his father dicker over the price of cargo more than once. He was stubborn to a fault, and it had helped secure his reputation as a hard but fair merchant. He talked everyone down but never to the point where they would lose their profit. If he had a fault, it was his love for his Kanikiana-born wife and half-blood son. But, as mixed a city as Yomank was, that was generally only brought up by the most wizened traders, who felt they had been cheated. My Umi should be on one of the boats today, Akomi said between bites. Umi is coming? Hendrick said, nearly choking. Laughing, Akome replied, Yes, love. Try not to kill yourself before he arrives. 
he's been gone for so long. The trade winds only run so fast, Akomi said in Talavikini, quoting one of her favorite wise sayings. But yes, Umi Molokai should be ashore today. We received a gull letter this morning saying as much, which is also how I know I'm right about the ships, Akomi added, smiling. Lots of birds arriving with leg bands. Any news? Hendrick asked around a mouthful. With a laugh, Akome replied, Your father would know better by now. Umi, I only know about because the message was delivered. But you know how your father talks at work. That was Winkett's other amazing power, ferreting out the unknowable. Too often to be coincidence, Winkett had managed a gift for an unexpecting family before they announced the news. Last month he'd somehow avoided the downturn in Yellowfin by, mere days earlier, beginning to buy and stock up on Peachfin. It was unerring and unnerving at times, his father's ability. Hendrick and his mother chatted pleasantly while he finished his breakfast, but his mind had already moved onto the docks. To be sure, Hendrick had heard the worst of stories from ships that had just barely managed to limp back into port. He had no desire to be a ship hand. Ever. But the docks held an almost magical appeal to him. The possibility of the unknown every day arriving right to his doorstep, combined with the challenge of figuring out how to do what his father did and delivered just what people needed. All right, love, get thee going, his mother finally said, tossing Hendrick's hair as she picked up his dishes, and tell your father supper will be ready by the sixth bell, whether he's here or not, she called after him. Ura was up with Utequit now and had nearly won their chase. Shading his eyes, Hendrick figured it would be about another fifteen minutes until Uraeteca. Indeed, all life was beginning to take on its usual, more vibrant color palette as Hendrick continued through the houses, down the remaining hill to Dockside. His father would have preferred to live closer to the docks, and maybe one day they would. For the time being, though, they were as close as Coplo allowed. This was Chapter One, Life in Amarokovsky, from my book, Phonokinetics. This has been Chris Reed's book. I'm Chris Pullman. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you would like to stay current on this and future podcast episodes, please subscribe to the feed wherever you found this podcast. If you'd like to stay up to date with my current works, you can visit my writing author webpage at narclaninc.com slash chrisreadsbook. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C dot com slash chrisreadsbook. Once again, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode, and I look forward to seeing you virtually in the next one. Have a good day.